Zach, we were just reflecting. We do that a lot. On the glory days. The glory days. And that's a whole side piece. Yeah, there's a lot of glory days. And we, we were talking about contentment and how yeah. oh, it, it's easy to all. I mean, this is this is actually starting with a little nugget of truth. Which yeah, is it gonna, is. Everyone's about to turn it off. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna, please stay. We'll get to yeah, the funny part. It'll be funny here in a minute. But we'll you are currently living in your future's glory days. <sighs> And we just, you. there's so many times where we were in the dorms together mm. and then we moved to an apartment with some yeah. guys and we we're like, man, remember the dorms? Like, oh, the glory the, days. The friendships. I'd give anything to go back for it. And then a night. We, we moved from our apartment to a bigger house yeah. and we we're like, oh man, to go back to the apartment. I'd give anything. We didn't know what we had. <laughs> yeah. And then graduating now we're college gone. and Zach's like, I love my wife. I'd never trade anything <laughs> <laughs> truly no you but, are like that but there's always that like man those glory days the nights with the boys watching jason Bourne and eating eating a five dollar hot and sweaty from hot little Caesars. yeah we don't call them hot and ready so we call them hot and sweaty because that's what they are that's what they are they're hot and they're just they're greasy <sighs> but but the, you got about 15 minutes yeah to shove that down your gullet and those are that's it a, it's slides a glorious down your window. gullet i mean it, there's a slip and slide <laughs> installed in your throat <laughs> that's what it does a slip and slide Installed in your throat. Cooper McCullough. Yeah, quote me, folks. I anyway, can see it on a t-shirt. Maybe a tattoo. Ooh. Maybe not a tattoo. Maybe not. Okay. That's on you forever. But we were just reflecting on those glory days. So just take a moment, look around you, and just enjoy where you're at. Be content with what you have. But don't stop grinding either. Never. And Always so move forward. As we were thinking back, we were thinking about our freshman year. Yeah. Back to the dorms. That is the truest form of our glory days. I mean, <laughs> golly. I had some hair you on me. You did have me. some nappy old hair. I had some hair on me. It was long, <laughs> that's for sure. I also wore white glasses back then. A lot's changed. A lot has changed. You look you older. Up. Thank you. Old pictures of you look like you're about 14. A child. And yeah. uh, it's age has done you well. Thank Zach. you. You're welcome. Thank you. You as well. You grew a beard. You have I a beard did. Now. I have a beard now. I, I know like real the man. listeners can't see us right now, but Cooper is a good looking man. Ugh, man, I mean, thank you. I have a I have a face from Barney. <laughs> I have a face for more than radio. We talked That's about right. Barney last week. Yeah. I, uh, every, for the past three weeks, we've dropped that I've been in Barney. So I hope you yeah. guys never forget. Never. That's been the whole purpose I don't think this. they will. I don't think so either. But we were in a class together yeah. by Dr. Mike Williams. Dr. Mike who we, Williams. I mean, just with love and affection, refer to mm. as D. Wills. D. Wills. D. Willie. D. Willie. One I mean, of the best classes at DBU. Brother Makes Mike. you, brother Mike. Brother Williams. He makes you love history. Oh my gosh! I mean, he would stand on the desk, yeah, in his just on for his lecture socks, yeah, at times, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't teach in shoes either. But he, how do we, how do we put this? His test. He was a fair man. Was were the most fair tests, but, but made you, us stay up the latest. You had to put in some work. Yeah, you knew. Well, <laughs> we had to put in yeah, some work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So he would give you a multiple options for what the essay was going to be about yeah he would you throughout the like whenever the unit or whatever like he would give you a review at the end before every quiz mm -hmm. and then all like four of those reviews had 20 questions on them and from there every every test question, question was going to be from there yeah. so, so fair i mean so i mean you knew your information yeah you know know exactly what's going to be on right the test. no surprises None. there was listing questions that you knew before so yep. you could memorize i mean and because of that, we just, we love that man so much. Yeah. We had to make, we like, we owed it oh, to yeah. him to make a good grade on his test. Easily. We could not fail a test. And there were some 
late nights. <laughs> Back very, our freshman year of college. Very late nights. And not only that, we took him for 1301 and 1302. Yeah. Well, you have to. You have. I mean, He's yeah. Man. We don't. We regret nothing. Yeah. Hear us. Maybe we regret not studying earlier. Well, yes, we do. But Zach, we made some darn good grades on this. And we tests. wrote some darn good essays. I re- I remember them. Yeah. I don't remember the essays, but I remember like <laughs> getting the grade back quote and it, I was like, quote it, Cooper." So I started with I don't know, I don't <laughs> yeah. remember. Yeah. I think we each got a perfect score one time yeah, on an essay, did. which was rare. Hard. That man loved us. Yeah. We knew our stuff. To this stuff. day, he does. Yeah. yeah. He's a good, good man. But that kind of... Professor at Dallas Baptist University. Yes. I don't know if we said that. And if but. you're in high school right now listening to this, you should check it out. D-B. Oh, my goodness. It's the, greatest, it's the greatest university of all time. It's a good institution. It's a good, good place that loves Jesus. And we're not getting paid to say that. We're not. Yet. Zach works there, so they do actually well, pay I his bills. I get paid by but I have no... <laughs> no longer do I have any affiliation. That's right. Anyway... That kind of bred us to, I would dare I say, the uh, the foundational statement of our freshman year and then our educational experience. Go on. So every bird has wings. Mm. But not every human has wings. Not any human has wings. Not many. (laughs) Not any. I would say I would say any human being. If you have wings, leave a review Mm. for the podcast. Say five stars. Yeah. I'm actually a human being with wings. (laughs) But because because we don't have wings, we cannot fly like the bird. Like right. the sparrow of the sky. Mm. Or the, as, or as the robin Jesus of the air. Jesus would say if uh, there's two sparrows and one falls, the father, he knows. He knows. He knows the sparrow. That's true. But we are not said sparrow. We are not a sparrow. Therefore, we cannot fly. Until Unless, the Wright brothers. Oh, sorry. No, different direction. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you wing it. Mm. You cannot fly. <laughs> you cannot fly. If you don't wing it, that is some good news. So if you're studying late night, right, you might be listening to this right now. And you just are feeling the weight of the Sunday scaries. I mean, I'm having to take a test tonight and I'm going to have to stay up late and study. Don't. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Well, wing it. Wing to the test and wing it. We studied hard for Dr. Williams. We did. But from there, there were not. So the respect for we, that we had for Dr. Mike Williams was unique. <laughs> where we felt we owed it to him to show yeah. our love and affection, we had to make good grades. What there Cooper were other is professors is that not every professor got that respect. Some professors Some did. helped Dr. us fly. T, Dr. Daner. Yeah, those people that were listening, men. they were goats. Yeah. They're goaded, as the kids are saying these days. <laughs> really? Yeah. Where are you going? You're lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the kids are saying that. Dog water. There's yeah. so many things. We're relevant we're, again. We have a sixth yeah, grade we, small group. Yeah, we are relevant. And so, guys, yeah, we're relevant. We're super cool. But what we would say to you is you can't fly if you don't wing it. You can't. You got to always be winging it. <laughs> that's right. And that's a, that. I mean, that I talked about a tattoo earlier. That's a tattoo. Yeah, I have it. <laughs> really? Yeah. On your quad or where? Uh, yeah. Tramp stamp. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during our youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Plenerbert, here with my co-host, my wingman himself, Coop McCullough. I'm inked. I'm uninked. Uninked. I didn't realize you had, a, you had a tattoo. Yeah, it's it's new ink, as they say. But speaking of new, we have a new episode That's this right. week, Cooper. Monica worked hard this week. She, she did. She made it happen. What's she happening, Captain? What Monica is. It's happening, Captain? I don't know. It just sounds better. Good. Well, our interview this week, Coop, is with Virginia Pardon. Yeah, keep us on track. So yeah, sorry. Yeah. We're, we're coming back. We're getting caught in the weeds. So, she is a lawyer and now a speaker, but she lived in Romania years ago. And I this story it sounds fake it sounds fake it is unbelievable but the premise is i don't want to go into too much detail don't give it away i'm not i don't want to spoil it just wet my appetite okay here we go she was fighting for something against the romanian government 
an assassin was sent to kill her. Wow. And that's all I'm going to say. And I mean, so. And she's alive now. I was going to say, we know, she, say. we know what you interviewed her. Yeah. So we know that. But yeah. that is insane. I wasn't walking with the dead here. She is right. with us. Wow. And it is a fascinating story. And she's about to be with all of you in your ears. I'm not going to waste any more time, Coop. Zach, send me to her. Here she is, Virginia. We're done. Wait, Zach, I did have one more question. No, no, before no. no. I, there was this thing that, no. this story I wanted to, no. I'm kidding, people. All right. I, without further real ado, here she is. Here she is. But no. What? Well, Virginia, thank you so much for being with me today and just answering some questions and really telling your just incredible story of where God took you, what he brought you through and what you're doing now. But I want you to start by just introducing yourself, kind of who are you and what do you do in Dallas, Texas? Um, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. Uh, I am an international human rights attorney, a keynote speaker, a published author, uh, Tyndale. My book, uh, my memoir, it's called Saving My Assassin. And I am also a victory coach. I train people to live a successful, victorious, and also a significant life. I'm originally from Romania. And during um, socialist and communist regime in Romania, I um, graduated I, uh, from, from law school in Romania and defending Christians and human rights cases. I was beaten, tortured, and placed under house arrest and threatened to be killed. And uh, finally, um, I was exiled to America. I came empty-handed. I knew five languages and I didn't know one word in English. I learned English and uh, I went to SMU Law School and I graduated in uh, three years. What normal people graduate in four years was two degrees, a Juris Doctor and a Master of Laws. Mm-hmm. Um, I opened my own law firm and I raised as a single mom, three children. My first daughter graduated like me from SMU. My second daughter graduated from Harvard Law School and my son from United States Air Force Academy because this is America. That's and right. Art, and if you you put, you want to rebuild your life, you have the opportunity here in America that you do not have in any other country around the world. So, um, in mm. in a nutshell, this is who I am, and yeah. this is what what I am doing. I am involved also here in America with Alliance Defender Freedom. And uh, I uh, joined them and I am an ally attorney with them, defending defending Christians who are persecuted uh, or uh, limited in their way of um, um, practicing uh, Mm -hmm. their faith. Yeah. Well, I think if you're listening to this, you heard her say the title of her book, which is Saving My Assassin. And I know everyone's wanting to get into that, but I'm going to wait because I want to talk about first kind of in growing up in Romania and growing up under that socialist regime and then the ultimately communism. Uh, what was that like for you? Kind of paint the picture is what we see a lot of ideals in our country and a lot of with young people of my generation saying, 
that's the future. That's what we need to move towards. Kind of what is your wisdom from your background? Um, I will explain in a second. I want to say to everyone who wants to read the book and understand the essence of socialists, it's very easy. You can find the book on my website, virginiapratanbooks.com, yeah. and uh, I can uh, you can pay directly there, and I can also send you, ship you a book that will be signed by me. Um, first of all, I, I want to say if you are Christian, you know that... God is the one who um, establishes in a wonderful way your your future and your mission in life. Um, I wasn't a Christian for a long time in Romania, so I didn't know that. The reason I'm saying that is because I want to show it to you that if you're Christian or not, God will show you what he has in plan for you, for your life in a wonderful and an amazing way that your life will never be the same and the life of other people around you will never be the same. So what I, and he received the credit in, in, in my, my life, I, uh, in my book, I said that God wrote his stories in my life long before I scribe it into my memoir, which is true. The, the essence is you have to agree with God and your life will never be the same. So I remember being a child, maybe around six years old or something, and watching my parents outside of the house being very politically correct and doing whatever the government asked them to do. But I also watched them inside of the house whispering how horrible the government was and the fact that it did not matter if they will be obedient because, because tomorrow the government will take more rights. So as I watched them, I was one petrified that my parents were too fearful to protect me if something happens. And in the eyes of a government, I'm nothing. So the second part came to me as a desire to grow up and never to be like my parents. I, I didn't want to live that kind of fearful life. And somehow in my heart, I ask myself why people around me, mature people, know the truth, but they don't want to speak the truth. So I became fascinated with truth and finding the truth. And as I watch around me, we have uh, family reunions in, in our family. And every single year, we will come together. And I watch my relatives. And uh, I notice that they will group around three people. So I try to figure out why, because those people kind of have the answer, but they were not ready to speak outside of the home or whispering. So I realized that all three of them were lawyers. So as a young kid, maybe at that age eight, I thought, I've found the way I'm going to go to law school. So I went to law school, but God had a bigger plan than my plan. I went to law school 
and I study uh, law for for four years, I want to emphasize to your listeners that going to law school in a Christian uh, in a non Christian society like socialists and communists, it's totally different than going to school in America. Mm. And and um, I can't emphasize that too much, but I want to tell you that I know unknown to me at that time when I applied for law school, the government before allowed us to uh, go to take the exams. They will look. They will have another way of of. Um, um, making sure that not everyone will go to law school. And that was, they will look for three questions in your file. What means? What does it mean? Is in socialists and communists, from the moment that you are born to the moment that you die, the government has a file on you. And you cannot... You cannot go and say, this is wrong. Let me fix it. Let me prove it that it's wrong. That's not. So the three questions that the government was looking in my case and anyone's case was, number one, if my parents ever organized something against the socialist uh, or communist government, revolution or something, if my parents were ever reported by their own kids for saying something inside the home against the socialist or communist government. And the third one, if my parents were Christians. Mm. So they didn't find anything and they allowed me to go to law school. I went to law school and the reason um, they did that is because the socialist and communist government will pick and choose who they believe they will be loyal to the government. In fact, as I will explain later, when I started to defend Christians in the interrogation room where they were beating me, they told me that I was allowed to go to school to be a lawyer because they believe that I will be loyal to the government and protect the government against the dissidents. Mm. And that was the reason why they they did all this process. So I went to law school. I studied so well, and I graduated in a top percent of my class. I was fascinated by by the truth and believing yeah. that, that I will find the truth in in the pages of those law books. I graduated from law school, and I. Uh, um, I started my my work again. I emphasize it's very important for your listeners to read my book and find out how you get a job in socialist and communist because it's not like in Mm-mm. in freedom in America. There's you no free markets. Exactly. No, it's totally different, and the book explains really well. So, I. I am a very determined person, and for a few years, I went every single morning to work and thinking today it's going to be the day when I will reach the truth, I'll find the truth, and I'll speak up for the truth. And one day, I came to my office, and uh, I put my briefcase on my secretary's desk, and it was a very sad day for me because I'm not a quitter. 
And I told her, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I can't mm-hmm. find the truth. And she looked up at me like, where have you been? What are you dreaming about? Yeah. Come back to reality. Mm-hmm. And she gave me three files and she said, um, those are the three clients that will come this afternoon. One is in your office. So I took the files and I was thinking, where is the the um, um, where is the truth? Where is the um, how can I find the truth? Why I cannot find the truth? And as I walk inside of my my office, I I noticed the client who was there. I had been working with him for more than a year, and I noticed that he was different than anyone else. Um, he had joy in a joyless land. He had a different attitude in life and he had so many things different. But in my mind, I always thought this is a crazy person. I need to fix this man. But I never had the time because I had one client after another. So as I walk inside of, um, of the office, sitting at my desk, he was talking and putting different documents and telling me about new things uh, in his case. I was looking at his face, radiated of joy and peace. And in my mind was, where is the truth? Why I can't find the truth? And all of a sudden, I heard myself saying, I want to have what you have in your life. And he stopped, he looked back at me and said, do you go to church? And I stared at him thinking in my mind, I knew you are crazy. I don't know why <laughs> I asked you. Yeah. But he wrote something and gave it to me. And he said, this is an address to our church. Would you come next Sunday to our church? Mm. And guess what? I heard myself again saying, yes. I mean, the craziest things that a lawyer in a socialist and communist country can say. I mean, just a few months before the dictator declared himself God, required everyone to worship him alone. And here I am telling him, yes, I'll come to your church. I don't know if you worship him or not. I don't know if the government will arrest me or take my license away, but I'll come. I was that desperate. to go and and find the truth. And the next Sunday, I found myself at his church. And as the pastor opened the Bible, he read what Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except to me. And in that big church and quiet, imagine you hear somebody said, what? That was me. (laughs) Finally, somebody said to me, Virginia, I am the truth. You look at the wrong places. And Christ came clear to me. And not only that, but it came clear to me who put the desire in my heart to find the truth, why the Lord allowed me to go to law school, because he wanted me to defend Christians and human rights cases. And that was the mission that he called me to. And that that was clear to me from that day on. 
And I'm sure that changed your ministry in so many ways. And I, I think that in and of itself is a, in a remarkable story of the way that the Lord kept saying, or you just kept searching for the truth and searching for the truth. And then you finally found the truth. And obviously we know that the truth will set you free. So once you uh, accept Christ, you were a human rights activist and, and lawyer attorney before you accepted Christ. But how did your mission and how did your ministry change after you had accepted Christ? After I accepted Christ, when I um, um, gradually I realized that I became a target. The more I uh, defended Christians, and the more I uh, was more powerful, imagined that I was like I am today, under five feet tall. I was eighty-two pounds at that mm. time, and I was twenty-something years old. Why? Because at that time in Romania, we didn't have college. We will go twelfth grade, and from twelfth grade, we'll go to graduate school. So I was that young. The government did not believe that I will uh, resist, that I will continue to do, but they had no idea of the power of Christ in me. And also, I want to say something. I want to encourage everyone who is uh, willing to let God show them the mission, because we all have a mission in life, specific, based on uh, skills, talents, everything that he gave us. He gave us those for the mission. Not only that God put in us the mission, the skills and the talents, but he will provide for us step by step. I will just give you one example. I was defending uh, maybe the first uh, few cases in in front of uh, of, uh, of the court, and I remember um, praying and asking the Lord to help me find the laws that protect human and religious rights. And I did find it. You might think that it was a mistake because those laws usually will be put under lock. Yeah. In, in the library in Romania. But that day, somebody forgot them. So mm. the Lord told me to make copies. And I learned not to fight with God. So I made copies. So when I uh, was in front of uh, the judge, and I told them that they have to release my clients who were sharing the Bible from one church to another, Bibles from one church to another for vacation Bible schools. And I told them that there are laws in Romania that protect them. They look at me like you are crazy. And I showed them those those copies. Oh, they were furious. But you know what? Something else happened that I had no idea. Later on, I uh, listened at home to Voice of America, the only way for us to know what's going on in the world. And I find out what the news was, but I found out that I became the news. People mm. will say how I look, how I was dressed, my arguments, how I give them the paper. And I was thinking, how is that possible? Because Voice of America cannot come to a socialist and communist country. Later on, I learned that behind me, there were representatives from Western civilization, you know, Germany, 
Jewish, American, friends, all, all. And they were taking notes and sending back home. What I want to say is we don't have to know what God is doing behind the screen and what he is planning, because that was his protection for me to also to make known to people. Soon after that, many of my cases became part of the United Nations reports on human rights violations and part of United States Department of State um, reports on human rights violations. If that is not God's protection, it's not. When I was in Romania, I didn't know anything about those things because I was surrounded by Berlin Wall. So. You don't have to know how God will protect you, how God will provide for you. One day you might find out to honor and glorify him and encourage others. But at this point, be faithful and he will show you the way. Mm, That's so good. And you don't have to always know what's going on behind you because you know who is in control and you know how the story ends and you know how it's going to work out. That's an amazing story. And I love the the switch. The first thing you said when I asked you what changed between uh, non-Christian ministry or law work to when you accepted Christ was that you became a target and a a target from the government and a, a literal target. Sometimes we use that metaphorically as saying you're a target of, I mean, anything, but you were a literal target. And that's the title of your book, Saving My Assassin. So let's get into that story. You you, were, you said earlier, you're put under house arrest, you've been beaten, you had been arrested. But then there's a specific moment when an assassin is sent to take your life. So what was that like? And, and tell that story. Um, I want, I will tell it in a second. I want just to emphasize one thing that God is preparing you step by step for every event in your life. When Mm -hmm. I was under interrogation and they were beating me and hitting my hand to the table and, and I was all full of blood or hitting me to the wall that I felt my, my lungs, I felt my, my back like breaking, they had no idea that when they were doing this, they were pushing me in the loving arms of God because he was the only one there with me. And I heard him whispering to me and encouraging me and telling me to say that I never believed that I would say to a human being who will hurt me so much. With tears in my eyes, I told them, I know God loves you. And I choose to love you. I don't like what you are doing. But this is what God can do in you and through you. And they had to turn their face because they were crying. They didn't know what to do with me. And that and many other things prepare me for when the assassin came to my office. They did everything. The dictator did everything. And President Ronald Reagan was ready to take the most favored national status from Romania. Yeah. And the dictator decided that he will kill me. 
So the way they decided the perfect plan was to send so-called a client to my office. They had microphones in my home, in my uh, office, so they knew everything about my whereabouts. So he came exactly when my assistant was ready to leave the office. And the minute that he heard my assistant leaving, locking the door to to my office, he was already in my office and he pulled his jacket to his gun and pointed to my face and said, I'm not your client. I am here to kill you. Mm. And for for a few seconds, I believe that I will be dead. He was screaming. He was telling me how the dictator told him to to kill me and gave me names and everything, thinking and saying, I will never be able to say those things to anyone. And inside of me, I it was a, a, a noise. I heard my my heart in my ears. I heard my even my enemies that said to me, stop fighting against a powerful dictator. We're going to find you dead. But in all this noise outside from, from my assassin, a noise inside from, from my body, my heart, I heard the whisper of God, share the gospel. And because in Romania, we didn't have Bibles. And when we had the Bibles, we memorized as much as possible. I knew the gospel by heart. So it was very easy for me to share with him. And as I explained to him that there is no way I can stop him from doing his job, I asked him if he will allow me to share something because I feel like I have a job too. And I guess he was just curious. <laughs> and as I I shared the gospel and reciting the gospel word by word from, from the Bible, he put the gun on the table. His shoulders, you know, collapsed. And I am watching this man under God's word, word by word gospel, melting it. And as I watch him, I am saying to myself, when I finish, I'm going to die. And I lost my thoughts. So what do you do? You paraphrase. And I did. I paraphrased two sentences because I was petrified. The minute that I said my own words, he came back to, I'm here for a mission. I'm going to kill you. And I pray like never before. And the Lord brought me back the gospel and I shared it with him. And he accepted Christ right there. And he left my office as a brother in Christ. But it's more to the story that only God can do it. Yeah. Years later, he came to Dallas, Texas, to my office with a case. I didn't recognize him after so many years until he showed me his uh, KGB ID. And I recognized when I saw that picture, it yeah. was like I relived that moment. And because he heard me saying that I'm writing my memoir, he asked me if I allowed him to write a chapter. And he wrote a chapter in my memoir. No way. And now you have my 
side and you have his side. And what God is doing in his life and in my life, it's a, a proof that God is a God of love. He loves even your enemies. He uses you to change a life. And that's an honor. And that's a privilege that we all should look for. Yeah. I mean, that that is the most amazing story. And the fact that it comes full circle and, and he comes back into your life. Is he still alive or is he, he is like, do you still, still have contact with him? He is still alive and he has a granddaughter. I don't know how many kids, our grandkids. Yeah. But at that time, he had a granddaughter and he told me that they all decided to um, name the granddaughter Virginia. Wow. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm just blown away by one, the courage it takes to, to trust the Lord like that. And I think it's something that's so practical that we can take away is that in that moment, you didn't have time to reach down and grab a Bible and, and living in the, the place you lived and you weren't allowed to, they weren't, they didn't want you to have it in the first place. And you probably didn't have one. You think of the average American has probably multiple and they don't read it. And the fact that you were able to recite and memorize that in a moment, and that was the first place you went. You didn't try to fight back. You didn't try to use your own words. And as soon as you did use your own words, he started to come back. And, oh, it's just an amazing story. I want to ask you, what was the first thing you said? So when he came in, what was the first thing that you said to kind of what what initiated the conversation of wanting to share the gospel? Um, One of the thing that he showed me here, he told me is that um, uh, by killing me, he will get a, a very important job in dictator's hierarchy. Hmm. So to me was, he was looking for meaning in life. Huh. And what I explained to him was that I was in his shoes looking for meaning in life a long time ago, and I found it. And I will be happy to share with him if you will allow me to do it. And he oh. said, yes. He said, yes. And you have to read it. You have to yes. read it. Yes, I'm going to. Because it's absolutely amazing. What he's saying, I can't say in words, but what he he is saying, and you will be encouraged yeah. to love the unlovable because God is using you for his glory. And you may not always see it, just like you talked about at the beginning, that you don't always know what the Lord is doing in the background or behind you. But one day, whether it's standing by the Berlin Wall saying, tear down this wall, or just standing in front of an assassin and melting his heart with the word of God, you never know what God is preparing you for step by step. And Obviously, it takes amazing and immense courage to do something like that. And I think that's what a lot of Christians today lack. And we're not facing gunpoint always. We, we Someone could be, but typically in the States, we're not facing gunpoint for our faith. We're, we're facing fear of others' approval. And it takes courage to even face that. So for you, what is your encouragement for young Christians or old Christians to say, this is how you build courage and to stand up for your faith? Um. I am as normal as everybody else. Mm. I am just a tool in God's hands. Yeah. I would love to meet with each one of you and answer all the questions. Um, I believe that 
as you build your muscle, your uh, body muscle, you build your fate muscle by putting in action every single day your fate. I used to uh, train my kids and tell them that when you stand up for Christ and you don't do what others will do and you say in words or you with your, your deeds, people in the beginning will make fun of you. If you are nice and kind to them, do not be surprised that they will be even worse to you, sure. verbally abusing or other, other ways. You have to continue to be kind and to be kind no matter what they will do, because there will be a point where you will be kind and they will be so mean to you that they will stop and say, what is wrong with this person? I try everything that was possible and he or she continue to, to be nice to me. And then they will watch you when others will do everything. And at one point they will stop and ask about the hope that is in you. That's the way it goes. We think that, yeah, everybody should agree with us. Remember that Christ told us, if they persecute you, it's because they persecuted me. We cannot be at a higher level or expect a different life than what, what Christ lived here. But he won the victory for us. The, the difference is that Christ has to suffer in our place. We have to suffer in a different way, but we can walk in his victory if we walk with him. I, you might think or your listener might think that I'm crazy, but when you walk with Christ, when you communicate, you will feel the, the, the smell of Christ, you will hear him laughing with you, crying with you. You will, you will, he will point you to the people to, um, do a kind thing and things that you have to do in one way or another. He will guide you in such a way that nobody on this planet will be able to do it. And do not be afraid. I mean, we don't have anything to lose. I'm not suicidal. I want to see my kids and my grandkids. But think about if they want to persecute us and kill us, we go and, and live forever with Christ. Yeah. We are more than conquerors in every circumstances. Mm. There is nothing that we can lose, nothing. We lose the minute that we start to make compromises and we go down and down and down and it will be, it will be very hard to, to come back. So no matter what your past is or whatever you have done, choose from today on to be with Christ. It's just one choice. You, you go with the culture or you go with Christ. And I'm, I'm very small, under five feet tall. If there is a, a, a team that will, will choose people in their team, I will be the last one to be, you know, <laughs> but Christ always choose me first. 
Yeah. So he will choose you. You have to choose him and say, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do it, but I know that you know everything. The same thing, question that you ask me about what would I say to my 20 uh, years old? Yeah, of course. To me. And what I said, you'll find it in my book is what I said is you are bold as a lion. You just don't know it yet. Mm. And that's my answer to each one of you. You are bold as a lion. You just don't know it yet. And you do not have to know it. You have to trust Christ, put your hands in his hands and walk with him. And your Mm. life will never be the same. And the life of people around you will never be the same. I mean, there is just so much in there. America will be changed by each one of us doing the mission where he sent us with a sphere of influence, with the skills and power that he is giving us. Don't wait for others to do it. Don't wait for government. Don't wait for heaven to open and say, hello, this is the way you do it. Because Christ will tell you in your sleep, it will whisper to you, will open doors for you, will put people around you, will do, will show you the path. Read Psalm 91. He said that he will do it, everything for you. All you, you are asked to do is to remain under his wings and to make him your dwelling place. Mm-hmm. Listen, live with Christ and he will do everything. And you will be just a tool in, in his hands. And I'm yeah. so grateful that I'm under five feet tall because everybody says, you are so tiny, but there is such a huge Christ in you, uh, which is true. Yeah, it's so true. And the, I mean, there's so much that you said in there that's just amazing is you are bold as a lion. You just don't know it yet. And I love what you talked about just helping someone. I think it was even Ronald Reagan that said that we can't help everybody, but everybody can help someone. And, and if everyone took that initiative and, and not waiting for someone else to help you, waiting for government to help uh, you take initiative to help someone, because you never know who is looking and searching for meaning, just like whether it's a K- KGB agent or a person you meet at Starbucks, everyone is searching for meaning. And if you have the the wellspring of life that you are able to give someone, you are missing out on an opportunity to save someone's life and to change the trajectory of where they're going and what they're doing. And so don't miss that opportunity. Have the courage to stand up for what you believe in. And America can be changed one person at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no place where I go and People don't don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel. If I have to renew my driver's license, I'm so um, so amazed that people from all over the world are writing me and telling me that they uh, read the book and changed uh, changed their lives. People in jail here mm-hmm. in America. Uh, telling me and writing me that the book is going around in jail. You have a sphere of influence. You have to understand that if you want the real meaning of life, you have to listen to your creator, to Christ, and he will give that meaning. Don't look for approval from anyone. Anyone. They will find they value as they will watch you walking with Christ. 
People will always fail you, but we serve a Christ that never will. And uh, thank you for reminding us of that truth and tell, being willing just to share your story. It's an amazing story. It's been incredibly challenging and encouraging to me to go live my life every day for Christ, every moment, every second, every person I talk to pointing them to Christ. And what you just said, there's nowhere I don't go where the gospel isn't shared. That is such a, a convicting statement for me because I'm thinking of all the places that I go every day that I just blend in and that I just become a chameleon and, and blend in where I go. But I need to stand out and be courageous and share the gospel with the people I meet because you never know whose trajectory you could change. But Virginia, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story. It's been such an honor to speak with you. It is an honor and a privilege to share what Christ has done. And um, I said it, and that's the, the reality. I am a tool in God's hands, and I want everyone to know that what I am pointing to is the Christ who has done everything that I explain in my life and continues to do everything for His glory. He is the one who receives all the credit, and he is the one who wants to encourage each one. I would love for your listeners to go into their closet just with God and ask the Lord exactly to tell them what's their mission, what's their purpose in life. You will be amazed how clear the mission and the purpose in your life it's going to be. And do exactly step by step. Mm, that, I mean, it's so good. I want to end it there. But one more time, where can we buy the book? I mean, everyone on here needs yes, to be you, flocking you to buy, buy the book. Any stores everywhere. But okay. if you want to buy a book that it's signed, you can buy the book at my website, virginiaprodanbooks.com. And I, uh, you have a way of paying directly there. And I will ship it to you. I will sign it uh, to you. If you want to put a specific name or something, I will encourage you to share the book with others yeah. to buy for others because there is no book that will explain what socialists and communists it's all about it's yeah. not a, a book that will even non-christians will read what i god helped me to do i took i'm taking the reader into a socialist and communist country and they walk with me they walk with me to the grocery store they walk with me at work taking my kids to uh, to school and everything so you learn the real life in in uh, people have done this and they took the book to college and universities and show it to their professor and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Socialists, <laughs> you need to read this book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really? it explains exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, we need that book on more college campuses in this country. I, I can say that. But please, if you're listening to this, go buy the book, be encouraged, be challenged and share, share this conversation with other people and share uh, the book because it's life changing. And uh Gosh, thank you so much for being on, Virginia. It's been such a blessing. Thank you so very much and keep doing what you are doing. It's amazing and you will encourage so many young people. I praise God for you and your podcast and everybody working with you. Well, thank you. That means a lot.